We are going to, uh, Lord willing, and I think he is willing, finish chapter 13 of Revelation today. And today's message is entitled 666. I'm going to read verses 11 through 18. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Let's pray. Father God, we ask for your help. Uh, your wisdom, your guidance as we navigate these verses in Revelation 13. Give us understanding and insight into what you are trying to tell us and warn us about here so that we may be even more prepared uh, to stand firm in these last days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So another beast we saw, of course, at the beginning of the chapter, the first beast, who is the one world leader, who uh, we know to be the Antichrist, the beast. And now we have another beast coming up out of the earth. The first beast came up out of the sea, representing the sea of humanity. To be honest with you, I don't know the significance of the second beast coming up out of the earth, nor have I seen any other Bible commentators comment on this. Something to ponder, something to think about. What is the significance of coming up out of the earth versus coming up out of the sea? Maybe it's, maybe it's just another take on the same thing. But what this tells us is that these, both of these men have earthly origins. They won't be aliens, although some may tell us that they are. This is the false prophet who will be the leader of the one world religion. Now in the beginning, we know again that halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will step into the temple in Jerusalem and proclaim himself to be God. And then the false prophet, the second beast, will command that the whole world worship him. And as we discussed last week, I believe, because... The Antichrist will personally be indwelt by Satan. You want to talk about the ultimate in demon possession. Therefore, essentially what will happen is um, the whole world will be plunged into Luciferian 
worship. Last week I mentioned that I've never watched it, but there is a TV series called Lucifer. I didn't realize it's still in production. It's still going on. I kind of thought it would flop, but again, Lucifer is becoming more and more popular these days. So, the description, again, there's a lot of imagery, symbolism in the book of Revelation. We know that. So when John says that he had two horns like a lamb, obviously it's not literal, but this is how John sees him in the vision. So just like in the beginning, the Antichrist will be hailed as a man of peace. He strikes this seven-year peace treaty between Israel and her enemies. Daniel chapter 9, we looked at that last week. The seven-year peace treaty between the coming prince, the Antichrist, and the enemies of Israel. This man, too, the leader of the one world religion, if you will, he will be hailed as a man of peace also. And we're seeing more and more every day how there is a confluence a convergence of various religions kind of embracing one another, coming together. The only part of this scenario that is not being embraced is the body of Christ. Now there is, there is a false Christianity on the earth today and those who are part of the, we have fake news, now we have fake church. Those who are part of the fake church will be integrated into this one world religion. And as hard as it might be to imagine, there's some strong indicators that even Islam will be part of this conglomeration of world belief systems. And as I've mentioned, there are some, Avi Lipkin, Wally Chubat, Joel Rosenberg, there's a whole host of prominent prophecy teachers who believe the Antichrist will be Muslim. I, it's, it's interesting to think about especially in light of the fact that in the book of Revelation, those who refuse to worship the beast, take the mark and so forth, will be executed by beheading. Again, I plan on finding out all the details from the balcony. <laughs> but this, see this man of peace, I showed you guys a video, it's probably been at least a couple of years ago now, where the, the Pope is uh, showing clips of all these leaders of various religions. How many of you remember that clip? Islam, Buddhism, Krishna, you name it. The Pope put together this video and he's basically presenting all these various religions as equal. You know, it's already beginning, folks, this coming together which will ultimately create a one world religion. Then in the halfway through the tribulation, the one world religion will become laser focused on the beast, the Antichrist, as God. That's the goal here. First you bring everybody together by erasing Christianity. And God's going to help them out with that because he's going to rapture the church out of here. Again, there will be people saved during the tribulation, but they're going to be you know, in the underground, if you will, and when they're caught, they will be executed. So he comes, this false prophet, the second beast, as a man of peace. He has two horns like a lamb. 
He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. But here it says a dragon. He spoke like a dragon. Who is the dragon in the Bible? Satan, the devil. So this false prophet will be a great deceiver like his father, the devil. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, verse 12. That's an interesting connection too. Now we know the Antichrist will be personally indwelt by Satan. And perhaps these false signs and wonders that we're going to read about here in a moment. There's a connection, obviously, between the Antichrist, the beast, the, the one world leader, and the false prophet. And so he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. The demonic authority imparted by Satan to the Antichrist will also be imparted to the false prophet, but it sounds almost like it's channeled from the Antichrist to the false prophet. And he causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast. So basically, as the titular head of the one world religion, he will direct all the world's worship to the Antichrist, hence to Satan. That's been Satan's goal since the beginning of creation. You know that, right? To be worshipped. He tried to usurp the throne of God. Satan wanted God's worship for himself. And I even did a teaching many years ago. I wish I could find it. I don't know where it is anymore. But in this teaching, I proposed that all of the conflicts in the human race down through history from the very beginning, the underlying factor has always been about who will be worshipped. Will God be worshipped on this planet or will Satan be worshipped on this planet? That's the underlying factor of all conflict in this world from the beginning of human history. And so Satan finally thinks he's made the grade He's finally taken control. He's inhabiting the Antichrist. The whole world will worship the Antichrist. So in essence, they are worshiping Satan. And by the way, Satan will take worship any way he can get it. God will only accept your worship if you worship him the way he is dictating that he be worshiped in his holy scriptures. We don't create God in our image. He created us in his image. And he calls the shots. But with Satan... If you want to worship Elvis Presley, I like Elvis. I mean, I like, you know, I like who he used to be when he was alive. <laughs> he had some Christian background in his life, like so many of these people. But you know what? Again, they sold out. Now, maybe they didn't consciously say to Satan, I will worship you if you give me fame and fortune. But because of the mentality of their hearts and minds and their willingness to do anything and everything to be famous and to be rich they in essence did sell out to the devil. And the devil will take worship any way he can get it. Through a politician, through a rock star, through an actor or actress, through any human being that we worship, or anything, even if it's money, Satan will take that as though you are worshiping him, you see? And in essence, if you're not worshiping God... Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, which is material things. You may not be a Satan worshiper on the surface, but if you're worshiping anyone or anything other than God, then actually you are. Did you know that? That's why Jesus called the Pharisees sons of the devil. 
they weren't really worshiping God. They were just legalistic religious men who ruled over others and dominated them and oppressed them. And actually, some people even worship themselves. In essence, any worship not directed to the one true living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, the Father of Jesus Christ, is Satan worship. Did you know that? You could worship cars. You know, race cars, classic cars, Ferraris, Maseratis, Lamborghinis. Gee, how come he knows the names of all these cars? <laughs> they are cool. Thank God I don't have enough money to buy one. We're taught growing up, you know, that the main goal in life is to be successful, to prosper. We even have a prosperity gospel that's taught by many churches. You realize, except for very few people, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you is to become rich. Very few people can handle it. Very few people stay close to God when they're wealthy. If you read the teachings of Jesus, he's always using the example of rich people. It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. So this false prophet, this henchman, this cohort, this right-hand man of the Antichrist is going to cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the beast. Whose deadly wound was healed? This is a mysterious thing. Because we're told early on that it was a head wound, and yet we hear we're told it was from the sword. Again, this depends upon the imagery that um, John is seeing from a first century perspective. But apparently, part of what establishes him as the Antichrist is that he has a counterfeit resurrection, if you will. And so the uh, false prophet's case for presenting the Antichrist to the world as God, he'll make his case based upon this counterfeit resurrection by whatever means that is achieved. And it could very well be that that's the point in which Satan enters the Antichrist because we know that when we die physically, our spirit leaves our body and perhaps at that point, that's when Satan comes in and takes over. More food for thought. So, verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven to, on the earth in the sight of men. So all those who are, quote, enamored by signs and wonders, and there again, there are many in the church today, be it the, the true church or the fake church, there are many people who are enamored by signs and wonders. They're much more interested in what they would consider to be supernatural phenomenon or so-called supernatural phenomenon than they are interested in the truth of God's Word. But God's Word is the very foundation of our faith. The devil has been imitating and counterfeiting the miracles of God ever since the beginning of human history. He performs signs, great signs. And so all those who are enamored by signs and wonders will be persuaded by his display of, quote, power. 
He even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth. This will appear to, pardon the expression, trump the power displayed by the two witnesses during the first half of the tribulation. Remember? Moses and Elijah, Revelation 11.3, I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, clothed in sackcloth, humility. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. And so we saw how God had given this supernatural power to the two witnesses. We also saw in the Old Testament where Elijah, after the 400 prophets of Baal had failed to call down their God. Remember they built the big altar and they put a trench around it and they filled it with water and they wet the whole thing down. And the idea was whoever could call down fire from heaven, their God was the true God. But the prophets of Baal couldn't do it. And they got so worked up, they started cutting themselves and bleeding. And You don't have to do that when you're worshiping the true God. And so Elijah steps up to the plate, and he calls down the fire, and the whole altar is consumed. But here we have the false prophet doing this, imitating this. And it reminds us of the confrontation between Moses and the magicians of Pharaoh in Egypt. Janus and Jambres, 2 Timothy 3.8. We read, Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these false teachers, false prophets, also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. And if you go back to Exodus 7, 11 and 12, Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt... They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod, this is the part you've got to love, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. <laughs> See, Satan can imitate, but he can never create. Only God can create something, anything from nothing. God's power preempts the power of Satan. Great is, is he who is in us than he that is in the world. But you know, er, when I was a young person, I have been a believer since I was a preschooler. Not to say that I was always a great follower of Christ. I've shared my testimony before. In my mid-high and high school years, I just kind of drifted off into the world of rock music, and my goal really in life was to be a a rock and roller, rock star, whatever. But I always believed, I never stopped believing, and I never stopped praying. But at that point in my life, I was very skeptical of the supernatural. Now, I believed in the miracles of the Bible, but I didn't put much stock in the dark side. When I have friends in high school that would talk about TV shows like Dark Shadows, any of you remember Dark, dark Shadows? <laughs> there was this one girl who claimed to be a witch, and she claimed that she could make dark shadows appear on her TV anytime she wanted, even when it wasn't really actually on TV, you know. And she kept her fingernail clippings in a little urn, and I don't know what that was for, but... And then these girls, I think she was there, one of them, but there was a group of girls from my high school, and they had a slumber party, and they had a Ouija board, and 
they told me about how this one girl, they were messing around with the Ouija board and then this weird voice started to speak through her. It wasn't her voice. At the time, I was very skeptical of all of that. And that probably is true for a lot of people who perhaps are not really educated and trained in the, in the truth of God's word. People do tend to discount. Nobody wants to believe in a devil. They don't want to believe in the bad guy. They only want to believe in the good guy if they believe at all. But to believe only in the power of God, but not recognize that we have an adversary, an enemy. Now his power does not equal that of our God, but he is a force to be reckoned with. And that's what we're seeing here as we read about this scenario unfolding in Revelation 13. I mean, it's possible that there could be some tricks and of the trade used here with all the technology we have today in order to create these so-called signs and wonders. But if we look back to the Old Testament, Janice and Jambres didn't have technology. All they had was demonic, satanic power. But the power of God trumps the power of Satan. But people who don't know God are very easily deceived by the manifestations of the powers of darkness. And the devil is more than happy to share his power with those who will yield to him. Verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. So the beast, empowered by Satan, grants to the false prophet the power to do these things. You see how this is a very negative mirror image of how we interact with Jesus Christ. And that's why he is the anti-Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. We've hit this several times in our Revelation series. We probably will hit it again. But the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. We've talked about this so many times. Again, it comes down to choice. They did not receive the love of the truth. And again, as I've said before, it's not enough to simply acknowledge the truth. There are people who will say, yeah, I know that's true. I just choose not to believe it. Doesn't make much sense, does it? But there are people who do that. I know it's true, I'm just not interested. Really? You're not interested in truth? I thought was that was the ultimate pursuit of man, to know the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. Sadly, there are a lot of people that are content to stay in darkness, to stay in deception, who would prefer to be lied to rather than face the truth. Jack Nicholson, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Right? You can't handle the truth. So with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, the lost, those who have not received Christ, because why? While God is such a loving God, why does he send people to hell? Sorry, he doesn't. It's your choice. 
They did not receive the love of the truth. You see, you've got to not only believe the truth, not only maybe like the truth, you have to love it. Even the parts that make you uncomfortable. Perhaps especially those parts. It's easy to love the parts that we like, right? It's easy to love the parts that talk about how much God wants to bless us and take care of us and give us eternal life and all this. It's not so easy to embrace the parts of the truth that make us uncomfortable and make us take a good hard look at ourselves. But you've got to love that part too. You've got to love what we're reading here today. Even though it spells doom and gloom for the people of this world who have rejected God, we are to love this. Do you get that? I love it because it means Jesus is coming soon. I love it because we really are going to have a new world order, but it's not going to be presided over by George Bush or Barack Obama or anybody else. It's going to be presided over by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not going to be presided over by Vladimir Putin or Xi, whatever his name is. Xi Jinping, I don't know. Jackie Chan. I like Jackie Chan. Okay, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You know, if anybody asks the question, well, how, how do, you say I need to be saved, how do I get saved? Well, you've got to receive the love of the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life if you want to be saved you've got to receive the love of the you got to love Jesus that's how you get saved you you enter into a love relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ okay so he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast boy that reminds me of when the children of Israel demanded that Aaron melt down all their gold and make a golden calf. Do you remember that? And so he's telling the people on the earth to make an image to the beast. Did you know, folks, that false demonic worship always involves graven images? Exodus 20, verse 4 and 5. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth Dolphins, a lot of people are really into dolphins, owls, angels. It's okay to have stuff like that, but just don't worship it. Don't make it an idol. And if you have 20 or 30 of them in your house, it might be an idol. <laughs> you shall not bow down to them or serve them. Yeah, but don't you know that dolphins are actually superior to human beings? Don't you know they're actually smarter? Did you realize they have their own language and they talk to one another and they're peaceful and they don't start wars? Worship the dolphin. I mean, then you could have a porpoise-driven life. I've used that before, but it still seems to work. So. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Did you know God's jealous? And you know what? He has a right to be. So if God is jealous, it's a perfect jealousy. 
When you, you and I are jealous, it's, a, it's a, a thing of the flesh. But God is perfect in all of his ways, is he not? So if God is angry, it's a righteous anger. If God is jealous, it's a righteous jealousy. Because we're married to him and we shouldn't be committing spiritual adultery on him with anybody else or anything else. It's a godly jealousy. I am a jealous God. So you can imagine, you can see why the tribulation is a time when God's wrath will be poured out on an unbelieving world in all of its fury. That's what got Israel in trouble was idolatry above all else. They fell into the idolatry of the Canaanites, the surrounding people groups. They began to worship false gods, and that was the beginning of the end for Israel until God reestablished them in 1948. Lo and behold, why would he do that? Maybe because he's getting ready to take over this planet. Maybe because he's getting ready to restore the people of Israel and establish Jesus Christ on the throne in Jerusalem. 1948. Signaling the beginning of the end for this world system. He was granted, verse 15, power to give breath to the image of the beast. Wow, so that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. This is very interesting. How do you give breath to the image of the beast? He told those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast, like I mentioned, like the golden calf in Exodus. So some have proposed the image in the temple just being a hologram or whatever, but it seems to be something more substantial, more tangible. Remember that Max Headroom back in the day, in the early days of technology? On the screen? It's not going to just be something like that. It could be a clone. Do clones exist? Yeah, we don't know to what extent, do we? We only know the little tiny bit that the government wants us to know, right? We know about chimeras, where they're mixing different species and even mixing human and animal DNA. You see, that's another reason why I believe we don't have long to go. Man is playing God, attempting to be God, and God doesn't put up with that for very long. Could be a clone, could be a robot perhaps, a cyborg. Elon Musk and others are proposing right now that we begin to in, implant microchips into human brains to increase intellectual capacity and so forth to rid our bodies of certain diseases. And there, it's already happening, folks. A clone, a robot, a cyborg. Today's technology would allow for all of these options and more. You realize that, right? Okay. That the image of the beast should both speak. So this image will have the power of speech. It will appear to be human or superhuman. And cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the, the punishment for refusal to worship the image of the beast will result in death and apparently, as we discussed earlier, by beheading. Revelation 20, verse 4, I saw the thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. I, then I saw, that was us on the thrones, folks, there with Jesus. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads 
or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So again, according to the scriptures, the number one methodology uh, for execution in the tribulation will be beheading, either by guillotine, by scimitar, we don't know, both perhaps, what other ingenious devices they'll come up with. Then he causes all, verse 16, both small and great, rich and poor. Interesting, rich and poor, free and slave. Another thing that's going to happen during the tribulation, God's going to level the playing field. Right now, see, the people like the Wizard of Oz, the people behind the curtain, pulling the strings, thinking that they're going to control the whole world, they're going to control all of us. When push comes to shove, they're not going to be in any better shape than anybody else. As a matter of fact, if you're in uh, cahoots with a foreign regime that's attempting to stage a coup to take over, if you're in cahoots with the Chinese, when they take over, you're going to be the first one to go, buddy. That's right. That's right. Verse 16. Okay, this, folks, here it is. To receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, I know tattooing has become very popular over the last, I don't know, several decades. And God bless you if you have one. That's between you and the Lord. You might have even more than one. You might have lots. I don't know. But the point I've been making for years is, now when I was a kid, the only people who got tattoos were people in the military. <laughs> right? But somewhere along the way, it's, it suddenly became very popular for just average everyday people to get tattooed. On the surface, okay, so what? It's just another cultural trend. It'll come and go, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be going. But one thing I believe is that it's preparing people to mark their bodies. You see? When I was a kid, that, you know, if you weren't in the military and you went and got a tattoo, you were kind of look. I'm sorry, I apologize if you got a tattoo. But when I was a kid, if you didn't, weren't in the military and you got a tattoo, you were kind of looked at as a low life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you how, how many of you remember that? Those in my age group, okay? I'm just telling the truth. It's just like a girl who got pregnant out of wedlock. Now she's a superstar. When I was a kid, she was a bad girl. She had to go off somewhere and have her baby. Oh, that's so mean. That's so cruel. That's so heartless. Really? Except back then, we didn't have near as many kids born out of wedlock as we do now. And the statistics show that, that ha when that happens, it's not a good life for the kid. They're probably on welfare, right? They're the kid's probably being raised by the grandparents so the kid can go out and party. Don't even try to tell me that living in a day and age where more and more women, young girls, are getting pregnant out of wedlock is a good thing. See, the Bible call somebody who has a chemical addiction, a substance abuse problem. The Bible says you're a drunkard. That is shaming. And when you're steeped in sin, you need to be shamed. You don't need to be applauded. Yay! Oh, you got your five-year pin. That's so wonderful. Why did you need it in the first place? Because you're a drunkard. You're an alcoholic. You're a whore. Get it? When you're shamed like that, maybe you'll think twice before you do it. 
But now we applaud sin and we condemn holiness and righteousness. And I'm sick of it. Am I saying I'm perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. We are sinners saved by grace. But we don't get better by hiding sin. We get better by confronting it. When I was a kid, you're just some old codger, aren't you? You're just some old geezer. You're just behind the times. Well, I worship Jesus, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I was a kid, homosexuality and lesbianism were considered disgusting behavior. Now we have rainbow flags flying on our embassies. Did you know that? And we have BLM flags flying on our embassies. Thank you very much for voting for Joe Biden. We didn't have that stuff before. That's all happened in the past four months, folks. So thank you, folks, for voting for Biden. Gas is $3 a gallon. California, $7. You got to love that. Stick it to those Hollywood folks. You want to drive your Hummer? 12 miles per gallon, 7 bucks a gallon, go for it. Knock yourself out. Sin makes you stupid. Told you over and over again. Okay, so he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads. This is the infamous mark of the beast. Now, when, in the 70s, when Hal Lindsey wrote his first book, The Late Great Planet Earth, There's a New World Coming, some of the early prophecy books in the modern era, he was hypothesizing some kind of a uh, infrared tattoo, something along those lines. That's still a possibility, but we have now microchip technology is here and being introduced into our world more and more every day. Pets, people, have been chipped already. Four years ago, NBC in 2017 predicted that all of America will be tagged with microchips. Mainstream media, NBC, they will be implanted to help identify individuals immediately. And we all want to be immediately identified, don't we? According to the report, the technology is used to answer one question. Am I who I say I am? Well, that's for me to know and you to find out, in my opinion. Some worry, however, that the RFID microchip implant will give the government too much power, you think? Allowing them to track every move. In some states, like Virginia, legislation is in process to stop this from happening. Well, that's good. The report also reveals an RFID brain chip that has been developed and is currently being tested on several humans. Elon Musk. Several humans. The question is, once you get the chip, are you still human? It was reported that the use of microchips in Bill H.R. 4872 was located on page 1014 under National Medical Device Registry. It tells about a Class II device that is implantable, and yes, they passed the bill. Read page 1014. In the H.R. 4872, read Class II Special Controls Guidance for FDA Staff. With the RFID microchip, they can track the movement of the people that are implanted. 
They can, be, they can also control the money and food of the people. It is also reported to be possible to even kill the people that don't obey. Hmm. I've told you more than once. The vaccine's paving the way. The H.R. 3962 bill is an exact copy of the H.R. 3200 bill with the exception of just a few words removed concerning the RFID microchip but the ability to chip every citizen of the United States is still in the bill. Vaccine passports, chip passports, anyone? Verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except who has the mark or vaccine or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. We're right on the verge of being a cashless society, folks. You know that? Chips and the credit cards are just in one more step in this direction. All in the name of safety and security, right? We're just trying to make you safer. We're just trying to make you more secure. We're just trying to protect you. And once this happens, the government will have absolute control over our money and our resources. And the one who has control over these things will have complete control over everything. I've got a couple articles. The European Union launches digital wallet in latest step towards cashless society. There it is. Despite the concerns about digital privacy being invaded by the vaccine passports that Europe has demanded of travelers, so some of us won't be going to Europe. The EU is pressing ahead with plans to launch a digital wallet that would carry digital copies of a driver's license and credit cards, sort of like Apple Pay does, as Europe continues its transition away from cash. And that's all I'm going to read us. A lot more there. And then here's one. That was the EU, right? U.S. exploring a digital dollar. Last year, China launched a digital yuan. Yuan, I don't know how you pronounce their, that's their currency. Yuan. China. Last year, China, China launched a digital yuan pilot program. The Chinese government-backed digital currency got a boost when the country's biggest online retailer announced the first virtual platform to accept the Chinese digital currency. China isn't the only government exploring the possibility of digital money. Sweden's developed a digital currency of its own. The European Central Bank is pushing for a digital euro. And Russian Central Bank Governor Elvira Nabiulina recently told CNBC that digital currency is the future of our financial system. How, so how long before a digital dollar comes to the United States? Well, it's already in the pipeline, and on and on it goes. Here's one more. Bill Gates, one of our favorite people, and MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, unveil quantum dot technology to mark children's skin so they can be scanned for vaccine compliance. This is October 19th, 2020. MIT researchers funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, by the way, it's not Bill and Melinda anymore, you know that, right? They split. And the National Cancer Institute have come up with a totalitarian mark of the beast vaccine tracking and scanning system. This is written by Christians, so there's a little bias here. 
This new technology uses nanocrystal dyes called quantum microdots. This pattern of dye contains data signifying a vaccine has been received into the person's body. And this isn't just for coronavirus vaccine. This is to monitor all vaccines. Because, you know, in the public school, they won't let your kid in unless they've had a certain number of vaccines. You know that, right? Got to get as much mercury in that kid's body as possible, you know. This pattern of dye is embedded under the skin as a vaccine is injected into the human recipient. The dots are four nanometers in diameter and are encapsulated in a spherical arrangement of biocompatible microparticles 20 microns in diameter. This arrangement allows the dye to remain fixed in place under the skin upon injection. This mark of vaccine submission emits near-infrared light invisible to the eye but can be detected and scanned by a specially equipped smartphone. The microdot pattern could additionally contain information on the lot number of the vaccine batch, the date of vaccine administration, and other unique health information. The dye is delivered through microneedles made from dissolvable sugar and a polymer called PVA. This formula is applied through a patch. When the patch is applied, the microneedles dissolve, releasing the dye under the skin in about two minutes and making its data permanent. The dye lasts for about five years, making it an unreliable indicator of vaccine compliance long term. This will lead to even more redundant revaccinations because the marking system faded out. And on and on that one goes. So there you have it. You see, when John wrote these words in Revelation 2,000 years ago, none of this stuff existed. It didn't exist 100 years ago. Do you get the picture? Verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Here is wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this wisdom will be reserved for those who reject beast worship and turn to the true God of creation. Let him who has understanding calculate. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Many have tried. No one has come up with a conclusive answer on exactly what this means, but we get closer and closer every day to the understanding because of the things I've just shared with you. One of the most popular and shocking accusations concerning the number 666 is that the number 666 is quietly hidden in every UPC barcode. Did you know that? Mary Stewart's Ralph's book, The New Money System, 666, published in 1982, is the pioneer of the 666 and the UPC barcode teaching. Ralph's book contains over 50 pages of excellent documentation on the UPC barricades. Ralph's discovery is repeated in many publications touching the mark of the beast within the last 15 years. And that was as of some time back. A man named Terry Cook wrote a book called The Mark of the New World Order, 1996. The entire system, the UPC barcode, is very deceptively designed around the infamous numerical configuration biblically known as 666 the mark of the Antichrist or devil. Bob Fraley, The Last Days in America, 1984, the interpretation of the universal product code marks is most revealing in that the three numbers 666 are the key working numbers for every designed universal product code. Every group of universal product code marks has in it three unidentified numbers. All three of these numbers are six. 
making the use of the number 666 the key to using this identifying marking system. Everything you see when you go into any store has a UPC code on it, doesn't it? You could wind up with one of those on your body. There is no deviation. Every universal product code has three identified marks whose number equivalent six encoding it with the code number 666. I would say the most likely scenario for the mark is that it will be a microchip or some other type of implant or digital tattoo that is numerically digitally encoded. You think of how many millions of products there are just in America, but then think about the whole planet, and yet they're able to scan all those, aren't they? Millions of stuff gets scanned every day, and they can keep track of all of it. I told you the story about the guy at Albertsons who wouldn't, couldn't mark down my outdated fish or whatever it was, a chicken, I don't remember now, because he couldn't scan it. Remember, he was stuck. He was in limbo. I said, what are you going to do with it? Throw it away? He says, yeah, but I can't do that until I can scan it. <laughs> he couldn't sell it because he couldn't scan it, and he couldn't throw it away because he couldn't scan it. So obviously, there's still some perfecting that needs to be done with the system. But if they can scan millions and actually billions of products all over the world, they can certainly scan all the human beings, can't they? No problemo. No problemo. Another interesting thing is the internet. www, we all know that, right? www.blahblahblahblah. The Hebrew letter for W is Vav. If you do Vav, 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 it also represents the number six. So www, Vav, Vav, Vav is 666. And I tell you, if there's anything in the world right now that's going to help facilitate the ushering in, of the one world government, the one world economy, and the one world religion. It is the internet. There are many theories, but I believe the full understanding will not be revealed until the Antichrist is revealed. But in the meantime, God has sure given us a lot of information to go on. I think what we can say with a great deal of certainty is that the technology is in place like never before to implement the mark of the beast. Yes? Absolutely. And it will probably involve all of the above and then some. It's the number of a man. In the Bible, the number six, you know, there's, there's a whole system within the Bible called biblical numerology where different numbers represent different things. In the Bible, the number six symbolizes man and human weakness, the evils of Satan and the manifestation of sin. Man was created on the sixth day. Men are appointed six days to labor in the Old Testament. Nowadays, we don't work six days, four, five, whatever, what have you, maybe not at all if you're getting Biden's economic help. A Hebrew slave was to serve six years, did you know that? And to be released on the seventh year. By the way, we've just entered recently into the seventh millennium of human history, do you know that? 6,000 years, and now we're in the 7,000th, right at the beginning. The seventh day, when God rested, a Hebrew slave was to serve six years to be released on the seventh year. Six years were appointed for the land to be sown and harvested, and then on the seventh year, the land was to rest. I believe we're poised to enter into God's rest at any moment. 
The number six is also associated with Satan and his temptation of Jesus. God's number is seven, the number of perfection, completion, and fulfillment. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. But the Antichrist number is not just six, it's six, six, six. His number represents the absolute fulfillment of human evil, pride, arrogance, greed, and selfishness, the insatiable desire for power. We've seen these qualities and characteristics manifested in evil tyrants for millennia, but the Antichrist will be the final, greatest, if you will, incarnation of this evil in the history of man. Think of all the great evil dictators down through the centuries. Mesh them all together and put them on steroids. There you have the Antichrist. Let's stand. Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment. And ask if you, if you have a prayer request this morning, if you'd raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Not only do I see your hands, more importantly, God sees your hands. He knows already what's in your heart. Father, I lift each one of these up to you now. God, you know what's going on in their hearts and minds right now. It could be a prayer request for themselves. It could be for somebody else. Lord, but whatever it is, we lift it up to you now. If it's for healing, for health problems, health issues, we pray, Father, for your mighty hand of healing to come down upon each one. You are the great physician. You are the healer of our bodies. Lord, even when you heal through medicine, through doctors, whatever it might be, we still give you the glory. We still give you the praise. We give you the credit because ultimately, Lord, you are the source of all good things. And so we thank you for healing. Lord, we need healing. We have afflictions. We have health issues. We ask that you pour out your healing oil upon each one now in Jesus' name. We pray for financial problems, Lord, that you would come in like a flood and provide for the needs of each and every one that has that kind of a request today. And Lord, for wisdom to be imparted to whatever they can do to help their situation, Lord, we know that, Lord, we don't embrace the idea that God helps those who help themselves, but Lord, we also know that we have a responsibility and a part to play. So help each one to exercise wisdom and good stewardship and we pray that those who are off the rails financially, that you would get them back on track, that you'd provide jobs where needed. Father, we pray for relationships that have been strained or even broken, that those could be healed. Marriages, Father, we know that one of the enemy's biggest targets is marriage, especially the Christian marriage. Lord, I pray for anyone here today or anyone watching online that's struggling in their marriage. Help them to not yield and give way to the attack of the enemy. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would bind the enemy away from each marriage represented here today. And Lord, help us to recognize spiritual warfare, not to look at each other as the problem, but to realize the problem is really the attack from without, from the enemy, that we need to stand together, stand strong, support one another, love one another, encourage one another, and be committed to one another because love is not a feeling or an emotion, it's a commitment. So we ask for blessing and strength upon the marriages represented here today. Father, for those struggling with anxiety, fear, anxiousness, doubt, worry, we ask you to just cleanse their hearts and minds, bind all those things away from them, and fill them with your peace, Father. You told us that our legacy, our heritage in Christ, is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. We pray for joy, peace, and righteousness to be poured out upon your people today. We thank you, Father. And Lord, if I've missed anything here, please hear the cry of those whose hands have been lifted this morning. 
we thank you that you're faithful, that you do answer our prayers, you do hear us, you do respond, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. We pray now, Lord, that as we prepare, prepare to depart, you would receive our final offering of praise this morning, that you'd bless fellowship that will take place after the close of the service. Bless our time of fellowship today and be with us as we depart from this place. Keep us safe, give us safe travel, safe journey home, and a blessed day in Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.